You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 48 for January 9th, 2009. It's a new year, and I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist. We're back once again to terrorize. Well, yeah, terrorize. Some people consider it terrorizing. <laughs> terrorize, possibly. Yeah, the, the internet waves for the woodworking goodness of us all. Eh, whatever. Anyways, you know how to get a hold of us. You have a comment, question, suggestion. You're going to hear something today that you're just like, it's just not right. No, that can't be. Uh, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message the good old-fashioned way, 623-242-2450. And that number works whether it's a rotary dial or a touch tone. Either way, doesn't matter. Just yes, dial. and if you send messages via Pony Express, we'll take that as well. Right. Uh, yes. I, 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 but we're not cleaning up the mess. There's no way in the world I'm shoveling that crap. No, no way. No. Uh-huh. I have trouble shoveling my own dog's crap. So, <laughs> but that's a personal <laughs> issue. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what's been happening over at the uh, uh, Vanderlist Casa? Oh, man. Let me tell you something. It's the beginning of a brand new year, and the holidays were just absolutely insane i think that's the, the polite way to put it it was we were snowed in like crazy and so it was like just this side of the donner party at one point because nobody wanted to go grocery shopping <laughs> no we want to do stuff like that and it's like you know that that little boy he's, he's about the right size for the you know we put him on the grill we could get going <laughs> like, that. but luckily some family came into town and they brought food with them so we were okay the big thing for the for the vanderlist was we got a, a we and let me tell you something Ooh. that has just been insane i am i'm convinced i'm going to become the greatest tennis player ever as long as nobody <laughs> plays against me <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know we we played uh, a number of different games before but this wasn't on the wii but we played on the uh the gamecube uh, mario golf and nicole okay. nicole was absolutely convinced that she knew how to golf after playing that game and she got really good at the game but when i took her to uh to the driving range she found out that there's a little bit more involved than hitting the a button <laughs> yeah there's something about that feedback in there kind of shakes up through the arms <laughs> yeah so uh, your mic your mic wasn't on did you say something nicole is here by the way uh, yes i said i could still kick your butt in mario golf yeah you could but that's <laughs> neither here nor there that's okay. for a whole other episode. <laughs> that it is. That it is. So did you get anything woodworking-ish for the holidays or anything? Any good gifts? Um, yeah, actually, I got a couple of things from my parents. One thing I have been lacking big time is a, a chisel roll. You know, something – I mean, I've got a nice roll on myself. But what I really needed was like a, a protective roll for my chisels because when I went to woodworking in America – man, people are going to laugh about this. I took some bubble wrap and I rolled all my chisels up just in case. And it works great when it's in the car. But when you take it out and you, you lay it down on the table where you're going to use it, people give you that look like, what the hell is that? Did you just <laughs> order those? Those aren't going to work, buddy. you got to like you know put a nice bevel on them or something. Right. So – I got a nice canvas roll that's going to work great. And then on top of it, um, I got a great gift from a listener, actually. Uh, Jim Noller sent me this fantastic uh, travel bag for my tools, which just works so fantastic because I never really had anything like that before. I was kind of walking around with a canvas tote that I stole from Lee Valley. <laughs> Everything was stuck <laughs> nice. in there again. Didn't do much for you either in looks or protection, but um, it right. seemed to, you know, fill. And on top of it, he sent me some just amazing teak offcuts. So I've kind of got those stashed aside, and it's like one of those. Now I'm looking for the perfect, you know, project for using those teeth because it's absolutely beautiful. Apparently, Jim sent me a little note saying that he worked in a shipyard or a, a, some sort of yacht company or something, and these were just like the things that was like, eh, that's a piece of crap, just throw it away. Oh and man, just, 
They're absolutely gorgeous. So a big thank you to Jim if you're listening to the show. Otherwise, I you know what? I still have to write a very special, a very special thank you letter from Matt. <laughs> very special from Matt. Uh, you know, actually, that reminds me. I just recently got. Uh, it wasn't exactly for Christmas. It was just because from uh, from a guy named Peter in Alaska who sent me some incredible yellow cedar. Um, Ooh, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's really clear, beautiful, bright yellow. It almost looks like yellow heart. It's so bright. And uh, I don't uh, know exactly what I'm going to do with it yet, but uh, a big thank you out to Peter for sending that to me as well. Um, you know, I also got something, and I even have it here, and I could show everybody on uh, the video feed. I got Let's see it. Let's- a pen and pencil set turned by uh, one of my students, who I would rather just call him a friend at this point, uh, made from, these are supposed to be buffalo horn, um, and these are incredible. And they're oh, wow. on the on the screen they might just look black, but there are almost like marbling white streaks and gray streaks through this and beautifully finished. He just did a tremendous job on these. So thank you, Greg. I really appreciate it. Uh I will cherish these always until I break them. Um and then I'll have <laughs> In the very next more. episode. Um you no, well you well, I guess. It there it's a pen and a pencil. You don't break up the pen and pencil. No, pen and pencil. By the way, your mic is off in between because you type very loud. You're being punished. Okay, so <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, and uh, other than that, uh, for me around the holidays, I, I didn't do much in, in terms of wood- woodworking. I tried to take a, a break, but it just wound up being a lot of email answering uh, for two weeks. And I did make a frame. Um, can you grab the frame real quick? Yeah. I'll show everybody. I made a frame for um, – I had this little picture drawn up by uh, – by a guy named um, Scott Johnson, who does the Instance podcast, uh, a World of Warcraft uh-huh. podcast. And he is, is a incredible artist. And you know, I had him draw up some custom work of mine and Nicole's character. It's just kind of goofy, but we love it. I love it. And it's a shot of the two of us enjoying a sunset in Azeroth somewhere. But the frame that I built is, is kind of one of the cool things that you might be interested in. Uh, it's a, well, I, I actually did a video of it, so you guys will see it, but it's a very curly maple, uh, veneer around the outside and the trim on the outside is Wengi and a wood of which will go unnamed until I talk to David Marks and find out <laughs> what it is. I don't remember, uh, when we, when we stopped by his place last time, he, um, gave me a couple sheets of this stuff and it's just, um, gorgeous. It looks like Babinga, but it's incredibly figured. Um, wow. so I'll find out what it's called, but it's from like Laos or something like that. Very, very cool, cool stuff. Yeah. That looks pretty sweet. I mean, the contrast of the two woods, I mean, just the, 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 the figure in the woods themselves just looks absolutely, absolutely beautiful. But yeah, that just, that, that outside wood looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it looks like, um, snakeskin almost. It's really, really Yeah, cool. that's it. I was trying to think, I'm like, it looks kind of like a lace wood or something, but yeah, you're right. I mean, well, the, at least in the, the, the video thing here is I'm looking, I'm pointing at it. You can't notice that I'm, I'm pointing right there. <laughs> okay. There. Uh, yeah. Well, I've, I got to find out what it is. Um, it, it's, it's really beautiful stuff, but I, I just had a little bit of it and I figured, you know what, if you're going to use it on a special project. It better be for the wife. So <laughs> that's go. right. There you go. <laughs> um, so I guess if that's it for the status report, um, you want to jump to the around the web segment. Uh, okay. You know, I threw I threw a couple things in here. First of all, um, the Handy Guys podcast. Uh, these right. guys emailed me and asked if uh, they could be put into the Wood Whisperer network, and I took a look at their site, and they've got a really good full fledged DIY home improvement style uh podcast they just did a a whole revamp on their website it looks great and i've listened to about three episodes and 
one of them, I guess, around the holidays, they decided to do something different, and they wound up discussing home improvement movies. And uh, <laughs> one of them that they were talking about was The Money Pit. And it was hilarious listening to these guys talk about the money pit and the decisions that they made that were wrong as far as, you know, getting an inspector to come in and check out the property and all this stuff. Um, Like these real life lessons that you can get from watching the money pit. Uh, But anyway, very entertaining. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of like a Wood Talk Online-ish presentation. It's two guys just talking about uh, DIY stuff. Um, they, they sound more professional than we do. That's a big difference, but <laughs> they don't, they, it doesn't take much these days. <laughs> it, yeah, it really doesn't. Uh, but no, they're, they're really good. So check it out. Show, uh, the show notes will have the link, but it's handyguyspodcast.com. Very, very easy to listen to. Sweet. That's, you know, that really kind of cracks me up thinking about like the, the combination of computer and home repair, because, uh, as you and I were talking about, uh, my wife's computer just totally took a, a nosedive, but luckily mm-hmm. it didn't, it turned out it was nothing I did. So that's the most important part about it. <laughs> you don't get in we, trouble. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it, it, in fact, actually, the repair guy called and talked to her and said, you know, what did you do? And she explained it. And it turned out it's all her fault. So that's that's all we need to know. But um, <laughs> it, the place that we took it to was actually like uh, they, they do a combination of computer repair and a little computer sales. And they're also chimney sweeps. So <laughs> it was really very cool. interesting. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny because the lady's like pulling out. She's writing everything up. And then I, I kind of looked at the letterhead and I noticed her other business card. And I looked at it and I went, chimney sweep. That's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like multitasking, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we did more power to them. <laughs> wow, amazing. Well, the uh, the other link that I wanted to talk about in there. Now, are you familiar with uh, the Timber Kid? You know, that name's been popping around a little bit. I remember seeing it the other day, but I, I haven't had a chance really to play around on the website or anything. But uh, tell me a little bit more about him. Yeah, that is uh, Calum or I, I think his his name should be pronounced Calum, whether he likes it or not. Um, I did ask him, you know, to to uh, clarify that for me, and I didn't get a good answer from him. So I said I'm going to pronounce it Susan. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Susan does a great podcast. Actually, uh, he's he's better known as the Timber Kid, and he is from the UK, and he does a little podcast, and he's just getting started. So his website is thetimberkid.com. And definitely go over and check it out. Um, I, I love the fact that there are a lot of young guys, and, and I we haven't seen much in the way of uh, young girls. Most of them are, are young teenage dudes, but uh, uh, that's perfectly fine because at least they're they're young and not old men like us. Uh, but he's 15 years old, and okay. he's been woodworking for nine years, so he's got me beat. And uh, yeah, so, so that means he started when he was hold on, 15 minus nine, carry the one, that's... Six. six, six, yeah, six. Yeah, wow. He he, uh, he came out of his mama with a chisel, and that must have hurt. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, he's in England. He's got a really cool accent, so I already like him. Um, you know, from there. But he's he's big on lumberjacks and everything. So definitely check him out. Um, like I said, he's just getting started, but uh, I have a feeling we could expect some really cool content from uh, from from Susan. What? He's gonna be doing an apprenticeship. Oh, he's doing an apprenticeship? Yeah, he's going to actually do it the right way uh, <laughs> <Okay>. instead of... <laughs> in the UK, there's, like, there's a program. Yeah, we were talking last night at the uh, the, the guild um, uh, meeting that we had that uh, 
it, how different it is in, in Europe and how they handle apprenticeships. And it's a little bit more official uh, in people who are going to have a career in woodworking versus, you know, how things are done here, where the vast majority of uh, cabinet shops and things like that have folks working there with no official uh, training in the industry. It's just stuff that they picked up or they got a job there early on, uh, things along those lines. So he's going to get a, a more official, you know, real training. That's really, really awesome. Yeah, that is sweet. Yeah, you never hear about that anymore. That's one thing I said to the kids. You know what? You don't necessarily have to go to school, like college, something like that. You don't have to get a degree like that. You could like go to like you know become an apprentice for like a shoemaker, something yeah, like that. Absolutely. You know? Or or there's always uh, prostitution. Uh, well, we're not so near Nevada, but we're <laughs> it's we're legal there, right? Yes. <laughs> so maybe maybe Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm taking this show in a really bad direction today. Yeah. Uh, so I like uh, that clean rating. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll let you. You know what? Jump to the second news announcement. I'll take the the big news announcement, which is really big. It's so huge. It's so big. Um, right. But, it is. It's best you tell the big announcement because I'll just like completely flub everything up. People will be like, "I missed it." But is I'm something big. <laughs> but I'm likely to say something completely inappropriate. Uh, but I'll, that's I'll, true. I'll take my chances. <laughs> okay, no problem. Well, one of the big things that's out there right now is if anybody has seen this because he's been getting a lot of press. Like he's got a new book out. He was one of the big stars at the Woodworking in America conference. Mm-hmm. One of my new favorite woodworkers in the whole world, uh, and, and that is uh, Saint Roy himself. So, uh, anyways, he has the, the latest Woodwright Shop shows are now available online. So, if you head to the link that we'll have in the show notes, and it's a, an awful long one, but it's, of course, at PBS.org, mm-hmm. uh, you can check out, uh, was it season 28? The videos yeah. are now available. So, you know what? If you happen to have a PBS station in your area that, for some reason, does not carry the Woodwright Shop and you want to check it out, now you can go online and watch him. And you know what? You could probably be watching his shows right now while you're listening to us. That would definitely be a really neat <laughs> contrast between somebody who really knows what they're doing and well, then, right. <laughs> dude, I I actually sat down and watched a couple uh, episodes last night, and I watched one where they made uh, a little po' boy. They called it instead of a high mm-hmm. boy or a low boy. It's a po' boy. Uh, very simply made, and it was uh, with. Uh, I didn't know this guy was the governor until the like the end of the show. But anyway, uh, the governor of North Carolina was on the show with him, and uh, they just did this little project, and it's just awesome. I, I would probably never do anything the way that they do it, but it's so fun to watch the process and watch them just hack away at this stuff and actually make stuff that looks really good uh, in the process. Oh, yeah. You know, at the very least, academically, it's interesting to see how this stuff used to be done. Uh, even if you right. never never plan to do it yourself, but I have a blast watching that show. Oh yeah, you know, and the, the thing is, it's so funny because when you watch him, all that energy that Roy puts out there, it's it's insane because like the woodworking in America, he was the same exact way, if not more animated. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like you know for like you know one hour while teaching a class. This was like the whole day. I mean, when that guy gets done, he has to just go home and just collapse on the <laughs> bed. Because he's just just so worn out. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those you had to be like check him a couple of times. Like, no, what exactly is that? He's got his coffee there. Is that coffee? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But he's definitely an amazing woodworker, and it's just it's probably one of the most entertaining woodworking shows I've ever seen. So definitely yeah. check it out. We'll have the link there yeah. for you. That's uh, right. Now the big so, yeah the, the big, big announcement. announcement. Wait, a drum roll here or something. <laughs> um. Okay, that's good now. <laughs> What's the big announcement now? Okay, in a con- we've hinted to this months ago, and when we came back from what was it even maybe Thanksgiving vacation or some vacation, uh, right. we, we came back and and just never said anything about it because there were there were no more details to share. 
but finally, we have a little bit of uh, definitive information that we could share with people. Uh, we were in talks with Popular Woodworking to try and get some sort of uh, collaboration going on uh, to the point where they would be able to uh, supply us with um, uh, you know, people to come on the show, uh, guests, and, and really uh, just basically people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, just interviews and extra content. And you know how we have a Tom segment. And, you know, I'd like to get other people doing segments as well for each show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, even have guest hosts here and there and things like that. So, um, the good thing is that's going through and as of early February, basically our first show in February will be the first, uh, sponsored, uh, would talk online show sponsored by popular woodworking and, uh, it's a uh, sponsorship might not exactly be the right word cause it's more, presented. it's more present. No, that's not the right word either. It's more in collaboration with. Yeah, that's good. That's a good term in collaboration. Yeah, yeah because, because it's not exactly like they're just they're throwing money at us and we're doing our show. It's actually taking the show to a whole new level uh, right. and doing what we always do, but doing it with a lot more content and uh, hopefully doing it even better uh, than we do now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. I mean, I've been I've been absolutely <laughs> just like floored by this. I, I like was, I couldn't even sit down at dinner. I was just like, you know, <laughs> you can have something extra. No, I, I'm, I'm not even hungry. And that's really odd for a fat man to say something like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're flabbergasted. Yeah, I mean, it, it's there's some good opportunity there. They'll they'll promote it, and uh, you'll be able to uh, listen to the show on their site. And if we can if we can do it, I'd love to get the live feed and the chat room duplicated uh, on popularwoodworking.com as well as our site. Right. You know, then the, the most important thing is for all of you, the listeners and, and people in the chat room, this is a great opportunity that we're going to have so much, so many more resources coming in to you know. Not like we need a lot of extra help with this. I mean, we, we are Mark and Matt, but you know, <laughs> you know, having those extra resources will definitely help to, to to make the show just the show just that much better for all of us. So that's just like I don't know which part I'm more excited about: the fact that you know we can tie our name with them, or the fact that we are going to have these extra resources. I, I think the fact that we're tying our name in with them. And I don't know, I don't know what they should be more worried about: the fact that we're tying our name with them, or the fact <laughs> that they have to provide us with extra resources. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Sure, which one's worse? <laughs> yeah, we probably should contact them. They're probably like now going, oh, we got buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it, it means good things uh, for everybody. I just really hope it takes the show uh, to another level, and I, I really think it will. So uh, yep. that's the big announcement. And with that, we can move on into our hot deals. And if you want to jump right in there, Matt, uh, I will listen and uh, get my wallet out. Okay, no problem. All right, well, we have uh, two really good hot deals, and both of these are actually coming from Highland Woodworking. So we'll kind of kill two birds with one stone. Now, I was looking around, and it seems like all the great you know, free shipping deals and everything else elsewhere seem to have kind of either evaporated or I'm just not reading them correctly. But for sure, Highland Woodworking is continuing their free shipping on all orders over $100 within the 48 contiguous – I was practicing that over the holidays <laughs> – contiguous states – but of course, that excludes freight charges, etc. But we'll have uh, links in the show notes for that to take you there. Basically, just go to HighlandWoodworking.com, and uh, apparently, anything you order over a hundred dollars, uh, you don't have to pay extra for the shipping. Sweet. Now, the other big one, and this probably is one of those. You know, if you maybe got a nice tool over the holidays and you're not sure how to use it, maybe you got some chisels for like carving, or you know, some other really whatever tools you you know you you want to learn more about. They've got a great sale going on. All their books in stock over at Highland Woodworking, 25% off 
And of course, again, we will have the show notes in there. And uh, I do believe all you have to do is uh, order the book and they automatically take the 25% right off. So uh, definitely take advantage of it. Other than that, I don't really think I remember seeing any other ones. I happen to, you know what, the more I think about it, another one at Highland Woodworking, they seem to be the big winner this week. <laughs> I saw that the granite topped 14 inch bandsaw, I think they've got it on sale like $200 off the hmm. regular Steel City price. And the same with the granite six-inch joiner that they have. I think that was almost $200 off wow. roundabout there. So something to think about if that was something you were interested in at all. In fact, I think both of those would easily come over the $100 thing. So you get the free shipping, but you'd have to pay for the freight. Um, oh, anyway, okay. something like Still good so, deal, that, though. And that granite top bandsaw is really cool, interesting. I, 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 I actually think I like that a little bit more than the uh, concept of the granite top table saw. You know, I, I think I do too. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about a granite top table saw. I still can't wrap my mind around it. Just, yeah. well, you it, know, it, the, in concept, okay. But you know, we were talking about this the other night too. If uh, you know, I've dropped a lot of things on my table saw, and I haven't really dropped anything on my bandsaw before. Um, but having a nice, you know, perfectly flat face that gives me a nice ninety degree corner that I could slice up some veneer that sounds pretty appealing to me. But on a table saw, I've got mixed feelings about it. But uh, that's another show. So right, yeah, yeah. We'll come back and talk about that one. Hey, let's bring up the saw stop again. <laughs> hey, there you go. Let's get on a complete, complete crazy tangent. Uh, you know, we also wanted to take a, a, some time to talk about um, a topic. You know, for once, we haven't done that in a while. Um, right. This one happens to be about table saw blades, and for some of you, this might be review. But um, I think for a lot of people, it's it's kind of confusing. There's a lot of options out there, a lot of terminology. And uh, Matt kind of put together a little uh, review of um, some things that you need to look at and what some of this terminology means. So if you want to jump right, right into it, Matt, take it away. Yeah, sure. Okay, there's three things that we're probably going to talk about. And you're absolutely right. This is going to be one of those things that a lot of us have heard this over and over. We've read the articles. We've, we've heard the discussions and everything. But it's such a perennial topic because you know a lot of times you, you'll be in the market for a new blade and you're kind of like, well, which one do I choose? What, what, what the heck do these terms actually mean? Because there's... Seems like every time you turn around, a manufacturer's got a brand new term for the same thing. You know, they they just want to make it look shiny and new. Right. But essentially, when it comes down to it, really, there's there's pretty much two types of blades as far as I I found. Number one, there's either like the combo blade that I think there's there's a lot of discussion about. You know, is a combo blade really the best thing, uh, value wise and you know in general for the workshop? Or there's the single purpose blades. So we're talking one that's dedicated for like a rip cut or one that's dedicated for a cross cut. And when it comes down to it, really, you know, the, the single purpose blades, they're designed to do their jobs extremely efficiently. You know, after all, like a rip blade, if you look at the two of them, they're really easy to pick out. Rip blades have the fewer teeth. Typically, they're like 24 teeth. And usually the, the, the teeth have like what's referred to as a flat ground ground tooth. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, these different types of grounds mm-hmm. or grounds, grinds. Grinds, grinds. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so anyways, rip blades are also very distinctive <laughs> because of they have really large gullets, and that refers to kind of the opening or the cutout between the teeth. And like a pelican. This, yes, there you go. Yeah, they kind of have that, that big droopy <laughs> thing. Yeah, or like a, a bullfrog in heat. Okay, so. there you go. I like that better. <laughs> and more or less, these, these large gullets, I have a large gullet myself too, uh, this is to help remove the material that's being cut away so that they, they don't clog up the uh, the blade itself or even the wood as as it's cutting uh through the actual material itself okay now rip blades are really really built for like speed and therefore 
they typically leave like a really rough edge after the cut and manufacturers like one name that we're really familiar with and I, I, I've used this one several times is like Freud mm-hmm. they actually have one that they refer to as a, a glue line rip have you ever played with one of those ones one of those glue line rip rip blades at all or I have and you know what that's uh, early on I did and I haven't used one in a long time but that's a, a common question that I get is is it really a good enough cut uh, that you can glue an edge based on what you get off of that mm-hmm. do you, do you think do you, so you know, I haven't had a chance to use one oh, but okay. like According to what they talk about, it, it kind of makes sense because my understanding is like with, with the, the like the specialized glue line rips, you're still getting all the benefits of the fast ripping action of the blade, but they add like a few extra teeth, so rather than be like 24, mm-hmm. they kind of bump like 30 or something like that. Okay. And then they use like an alternating tooth pattern. Again, we'll kind of talk about this and in in, you know when we get to kind of the, the grinding part because that's another one of the the things we're going to talk about. Sure. But rather than just that flat top bevel, which is is usually associated with the uh, the the rip one they more or less kind of have like an alternating like I think it's called the triple chip grind okay. it sounds more like an ice cream than a, than <laughs> it sounds a delicious <laughs> it does it sounds really good <laughs> especially with some caramel uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but essentially what they're saying though is that because of that that alternating uh, 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 tooth behind the the usual flat one that's what gives it its smooth cut so the one thing that comes to mind at least for me is I'm thinking if you're using that glue line rip if you've ever used a really dedicated glue uh, uh, rip one it goes through really fast but it seems like that glue line would you'd have to slow yourself down a little bit at least that's in theory that's how i see it i mean mm-hmm. it, it, do you have any experience with that i mean you know well, you st- from my experience with it i mean i would give it to answer the question of whether you really can use it as a, a glue line and i give it a conditional yes because obviously with a table saw there's a lot more than just uh, the sharpness and the structure of the teeth that determine whether or not it's going to be a good cut uh, so I think if your if your saw is tuned up properly, if you're making the cut just right, and and the wood isn't you know doing the reaction wood thing and moving around on you as you cut it, sure you could probably get a nice clean cut. Um, maybe six months down the line, you may not be able to get that same quality out of it, but uh, certainly is is nice to have a, a couple months of that type of uh, really nice clean uh, glue line uh, quality cut. So yeah, I, I mean it is. Just make sure everything else is tuned up right too. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a dull blade, regardless of what type of, you know, whether it's a dedicated or a combo or anything, it, it's not going to do anything for you. And mm. it's going to cause either damage to the wood, damage to you, or damage to the table saw. Yep. Preferably the other one's not you. Um, but, you know, another way, with, with a cross-cut blade, one thing that we need to think about is that these are usually varied in the number of teeth. And they are usually like, uh, I think on my, my miter saw, I have an 80-tooth cross-cut blade. Um, I know you can probably get those for for the table saw mm-hmm. that are like 60 tooth or so. And the main thing with these is, again, we'll get to this in the grind section. Uh, it, it's the the shape of the teeth that give you your smoothest cut. And they usually have what's called an alternating bevel cut or alternating bevel teeth. And more or less it refers to the fact, fact that the bevel is first on the left. Oh, and the next one, it's on the right. And then on the left, then the right. So you get the idea of alternating you know, in, in the, in the uh, direction that they're going. And the, the great thing about crosscut blades is a dedicated crosscut blade will give you an extremely smooth cut if it's nice and sharp and you're using it the right way. Right. If you try and rip with a crosscut blade, um, good luck with that. It's going to definitely, you're going to feel much more power you have to put into this. Slow make, going. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> you definitely want to take your time on it. And then, of course, you know, then we have the combo blades, which are just like 
like us, like hybrid woodworkers, combo blades are kind of like the hybrid woodworker of the blade saw or the saw blade world. Yes. And you get the best of both worlds. Um, and again, what these are usually like 40 tooth, I think is what mine's at. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you get that mixture, but you know, um, so that, that's, that's a couple of things to think about is the, the, the two really different types of blades, the combos and the specialized ones. And then I'm going to leave this part for you. We kind of get into like all the grinds and the angles and stuff like that. I'm so. all about the grind. Just ask Nicole, whenever we go out <laughs> dancing, it's, it's terrible. Um, is it like the, like the old MTV show, The Grind? <laughs> yeah, just like that. It's more, it's more like Dirty Dancing. Actually, you know what? I don't dance. But anyway, that's totally besides the point. Uh, I only danced when I was single and trying to woo my wife. After that, I, <laughs> I've got friends. They can then you dance. go, why bother? Why bother at that point? Okay, so yeah, the grind and the hook angle um, are really two very important things that you need to pay attention to with a blade. Um, and it's pretty easy to get confused. So uh, let's look into some of the different terminology. Uh, so tooth grind refers to the shape of the cutter um, if you're looking straight at it. So, you know, hold the blade up, put it in front of your eyes, and that's the angle that you're looking at it. Uh, most common... Just don't drop on your face. That would not be good. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good thing. Uh, the most common teeth grinds for blades uh, are flat-topped and alternating top bevel and what is known as uh, triple chip, which I'm really not that familiar with, but uh, we'll go there anyway. Okay. Uh, so first thing we'll talk about is raker. That's flat top teeth, most common on rip blades, like you mentioned before. Uh, and the tooth is just straight across at the top. Then you have the alternating bevel, where the top bevels of the teeth are configured so that they actually cut at slightly different angles, and they alternate one after the other. Uh, and that we mentioned before being in the, the, the cross-cut blades because those really sharp points are good at tearing the fibers nice and clean before the rest of the blade gets there. Uh, so it's critical for that. And like you have here, it, it acts like a knife. Um, then you have the high alternate uh, top bevel teeth, which is basically an extreme version of the uh, alternating top bevel, uh, where it's even more intense and should, in theory, um, give you a little bit of a cleaner cut. Then there is the triple chip grind, which is uh, ideal for working with harder materials, so plastics, laminates, MDF, and that would explain why I don't have much experience with it, because I don't typically cut that stuff. Uh, The tooth has a, a small bevel on either side, and, excuse me, the top actually remains flat. Uh, typically, it's combined with a regular flat top tooth. And uh, talking about hook angles, they generally refer to the degree that the tooth is leaning forward. Okay, so that that would be something you would need to turn the blade to the side uh, and see it from that angle. Uh, the greater degree of the angle, the more aggressive the cut. So you're going to find, you know, like rip blades and things like that that are much more aggressive might have a little bit more of an angle of attack there. Right. Yeah, I think the the traditional uh, angle of it, like the hook angle, tends to be between ten and twenty percent. So there's that that big big gap in there, like a ten percent, mm-hmm. ten degree, you know, gap. But then they were saying something about well, that glue line one that we were kind of talking about. That one is where you're going to get into that that triple chip grind, which I'm always going to be thinking of, of ice cream now. We should never mention that. <laughs> triple chip like chocolate. A, yeah, I would like a double dip of the triple dip. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> okay, so usually with the glue line, like they'll, they'll have like that triple chip on there along with that flat top. And it's so funny because every time I think of a, of a, a, a rip cutting blade, I always think of some guy from the 50s with that hardcore flat top. You know, that's, <laughs> that's like the only thing I think of. It's horrible. I'm giving personalities to these blades, but it's how I see them. <laughs> you know, we just watched uh, Weird Science the other day, and, uh, and the dude's brother, uh, Chet, which is yep. oh, surprisingly yeah. <laughs> close to the word chip. But anyway, um, Chet and his haircut was pretty awesome. <laughs> Movie. <laughs> the sad thing is i had one of those with racing stripes when i was in high school <laughs> dude so did i what is up with that that's not that cool i'm gonna have to put well, some no. we have to put pictures up of the of some old pictures of us in school that would be great well, that would be too funny <laughs> <laughs> but oh, hold on i gotta gotta catch myself here yeah get second. control of yourself there <laughs> All right, so I'm back now. <laughs> Anyways, though, one thing that really kind of caught me about that hook angle, so like on a, on a glue line one, like I said, that's a little bit more aggressive, leans forward, completely kind of switching things around here, going to a different type of saw blade. Apparently on hand saws, it's actually the exact opposite. The, the further away that the blade is leaning backwards, so like on a, on a saw blade, a circular saw blade, if it's leaning forward, that's more aggressive. On a hand saw, if it's leaning backwards, that's when it's more aggressive. In fact, I, m- I remember Chris Schwartz talking once about the fact that hook and angle on uh, a saw, hand saw versus a table saw blade or a miter saw blade, it, you have to talk in exactly opposite terms of each other. Huh. And it was just really weird. Okay. So Good to know. Anyways, yeah, uh, so enough of that tangent. Let's move <laughs> on to the, the, the third and final thing. And that's let, let's talk about the curve size. And this is really, really pretty easy because we have your standard size curve, which some people might look at that and go, man, that's really, really big and thick. And then there's a thin curve blade. And thin curve blades really became pretty popular because of the fact that with an underpower saw, much like the one that I have in my own shop, mm-hmm. they work fantastic because they can... Because they're so thin, they're you know if you really think about how much they're going to cut through there, it's it's less effort on the saw blade or on the on the motor to push that through the the wood. The only problem though that I discovered, and I'm sure everybody else has used a thin curve, is depending on what material you're using, you get a really bad deflection sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get as straight and true a cut. And you know if you don't mind coming back in and touching it up on a joiner or with some hand planes or whatever you're going to use. That's not so bad, but if you're relying on that cut to be you know, pretty much ready to go right into your joinery and everything, that could be a real massive pain. So sure, sure. things to think about. Yeah, you know, well, you know, they also sell, I know Forrest has one, and I'm sure there might be other brands out there, but there are stabilizers that you can buy mm-hmm. that go between the, uh, the Arbor Nut and the, um, that little normal stabilizer that's on there, uh, the little washer, um, and that sort of gives the uh, the blade almost the, the reinforcement you would get from a standard curve blade. Um, but the only problem I found with that is it limits how high you could raise that blade, you know, because it's right. actually, you know, maybe four, four to five inches in diameter. Uh, so you can't raise the blade as high, especially if you're using a zero clearance insert, you're not going to be able to raise it as high as you normally would. So that's, you know, something to consider, but only on really tall cuts. There you go. See, the, the one I had on my saw, um, it, was, it was really thin. And I was kind of looking for like some sort of stabilizer plate, and I couldn't find something. So I just took another blade and pushed it up against it. Now, mm-hmm. I had a really super thick curve, so that probably wasn't the best thing. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it wasn't really ugly. Sorry, that joke really <laughs> bombed hard. That, that <laughs> felt like a joke. Okay, you know, we've got a couple questions from the chat room, and this is a good time to throw them in since it's um, on topic here. Uh, okay. Let me see. Do I still have the final cut blade and how's it working out? You know, I do. And, you know, the 
I, I haven't had a chance to put the new piece of sandpaper on it yet. I just got distracted over the holidays, and it's definitely on my priority list because I'd like to do an official write-up about the blade. Um, you know what? Honestly, since I haven't used it in a while, I miss it. I, I, <laughs> I cut some... Um, <laughs> I mean, I cut some figured maple the other day, and that is a perfect example of when that blade is just awesome. Because no matter what I do, when I cut some figured maple, there's almost always one spot where I slow down just a little bit and I have a burn. Which means I'm going to have to sand the hell out of that edge to get that burn out. And the final Mm -hmm. cut blade, dude, I mean, you just push it right through, and that is um, pretty much ready for finish once it comes off of that blade. It's that smooth. So Really that was one of the things I was thinking about as we were kind of doing the write-up for this. I, I, I was kind of hoping that somebody was going to ask that question because if they didn't, I was going to because I was really wondering about because I've been the, – the whole idea of the, the saw blade thing really came up and I was thinking about the fact that, you know what, I, I got a new Forest 2 woodworking blade. It's amazing what happens when you get a really, really nice blade, what you can do with it. It's, it's <laughs> just – it's amazing compared to the ones when I walked down to like Home Depot and go, I'll take this one. What is this, five ninety five? I'll take five <laughs> you yeah, know, and go – it is a tremendous difference, and if you know, someone also asked uh, our thoughts on the forest blades, and that's that's my primary blade as a forest woodworker too. I think it's top notch stuff. Um, and speaking of that, uh, the final cut blade, I kind of I kind of see that as a specialty blade. I don't, I mean, although I enjoyed having it on there, there were times when I needed to take it off to do something else, and I didn't want that sandpaper involved in in the transaction there. So. Um, it's not an everyday blade, but now a 40 tooth woodworker too, on the other hand, to me, that's an everyday blade. That's an every situation blade. Uh, if, if you're lazy like me and you just want a combo blade that does it all, that's a, a really good one. I've had great luck with it. Yep, I agree. That's the one I'm actually using. And that was the thing as I got to the point where I was tired of, I, I tried to do the specialized thing. I was like, I'm, I am going to be the woodworker that does everything the right way. <laughs> and I've decided that woodworker got thrown out of my shop so fast because it took forever to get stuff done. <laughs> and that's the blade I went with too. Yeah, the, a nice 40 tooth woodworker too. And that just works fantastic. Yeah, hearing good things about the Freud Fusion blade. Um, the Tenru blades are really good. Just uh, be aware that they, I don't believe that they have a full kerf version of their blade. Uh, oh, someone just said uh, Woodworker 2 versus the Tenru. I did a little review, so go check on the website. Just search for Tenru and you'll find uh, my original review of their gold metal series blade. Um, the fact that my whole setup is geared toward a full kerf blade means that I did not really get to exercise that blade as much as I uh, would have liked, but um, I do believe that it's on par with the, the forest, uh, quality. So, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll go back to a, a couple more of these questions after we get through some more of our content here. Um, very quickly. Yes, I do send my blades back to forest. Uh, I do not get them sharpened locally. And that is only because I haven't heard enough good stuff about a particular local place to, to trust sending my stuff there. Oh, man, you want a horror story about a local place? It's not so much a horror story as the guy scared the living daylights out of me. Okay. I took a blade in to uh, have, it, have it sharpened, and it was actually a thin curve one, and the guy just looked at it, and he gave me that look, you know, like kind of looking down his glasses and staring at me, and he's like, well, you know, you want a, you want a really nice blade. We got ones over there, and you kind of look in that corner where it's all dusty, and you know those blades haven't seen the light of day since the day they were delivered like 20 years ago. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, I'm just going to skip on that, you know, and, and then I made the mistake of asking about a stabilizer, and he's kind of gave me this other look, and it was, there was some words that were exchanged that I won't mention here, but then he pulled like a Crocodile Dundee thing, and he's <laughs> like, we got these knives for sale, 
and he pulls up this knife with like a razor blade on it. He goes, now that there's a knife. And he took <laughs> that thing out. And I'm like, I'll take whatever blade you got over there, buddy. I just want to get out of here. It was, it was the, that's, I have gotten, haven't gone back there since. So my blades, they go dull. I go to a new store, buy a new one. Cause I am not going to get that thing sharpened there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, that there's a one good argument for sending your stuff out to forest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they have a good sharpening surface, so if, if you want to use them, I, I highly recommend them. I've used them uh, seven, eight, nine different times over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, before we move into our voicemails, I did want to let everyone know. I saw a few questions about it. Um, we did have the Schwartz, May the Schwartz Be With You shirts made, and I am wearing one right now. So I will model it for everybody, and you can Woo-hoo. see it's got the little image of the Schwarz on the front says may the Schwarz be with you and on the back it has uh the wood whisperer logo see that okay and uh we have them in two different colors and the uh just to qualify that the small through xxl are uh this this what is it chestnut walnut stinky nut um (laughs) this light brown color uh, so small to double XL are all this color and that's, we wanted to get them all made with that color. The problem was they didn't have this color in the, uh, triple XL and the, the four XL. So we do have those two sizes in white, right? Yeah. And they, they look the same, same, uh, labeling on them and everything. They just happen to be white and we don't have the smaller sizes in white because this was the primary color we wanted to go with. So um, limited time only, and I'm not even sure why the heck we did this, but I thought it was funny, and we put it, put it on a shirt. So <laughs> <laughs> it totally works. The next time I take a class with Chris, I am so getting one of those, and I'm just gonna be like, ha ha. <laughs> I would just imagine it's got to be really disturbing when he starts to see these things popping up all over the place, because uh, it's not. I, mean, I have his permission to do it, but it's not like something you know. Chris does not seek out the spotlight by any means. Uh, and to find his likeness on people's shirts is probably going to freak him out a little bit. So um, I can see the look now. It's going to be like that certain look out of the corner of his eye. Of it's like, <laughs> is that disapproval or is that you know approval? <laughs> I, I talked to him about it today, and he was cracking up. So um, if you go to the Wood Whisperer store and go into the uh, the gear section, um, there's no thumbnail there, but click on the image, you'll see a picture of the shirt. We kind of just did it real quick before the show. Um, and we'll, nice. we'll get it looking a little bit better, but right now, unfortunately I don't have the white ones up yet. I just have the chestnut colored ones, but I will fix that. So anyway, little tangent there, the, uh, the Schwartz shirts are available. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's move into some voicemails, dude. We had some great voicemails and some of them are not questions. They're, um, uh, suggestions or comments. So we'll play those at the end of the show. Uh, but for okay. now let's, uh, let's play our, our questions here. This okay, one, so- this one's from Mac, and I don't, I don't have an answer, um, Mac in Texas. But uh, let's play it anyways. All right. Hey guys, this is Mac from Texas. I thought I'd call and ask the experts here. Have either of you got any experience in doing any waned edges on uh, boards? Uh, I've got a large project going on, and I've got to. Uh, recreate a winged edge just on one side of a very large board. I wonder if y'all had any experience doing that. Thanks so much. Keep going. You guys are great. Okay, did you catch that, Matt? Hey, he's asking about recreating a wane edge. Yep. Or a waned edge. Wow. Um, Does that, do you I, know what that means? Yeah, wane. That's usually like kind of like a, a live edge board. That's what I thought it was. Is and it? That's kind of 
Yeah, like with with the bark in place or something. That, that, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Maybe I should Google. Actually, that one. yeah. Well, this is what I was hoping we could rely on the chat room for, uh, since we have a lot of smart people in there. Someone does say that it's uh, uh, with the bark still on the edge. So okay, yeah. So, so he wants to recreate a edge with that looks like it has uh, a live edge on it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I'm I'm thinking epoxy and go out in the yard, pick up some bark. <laughs> and just start <laughs> just glue, glue some bark to it hey that's a good idea um you know other than what like burning the edge carefully oh, burning there. the edges to create something that looks like bark um yeah or run it, run it through a really dull blade that'll burn it really fast <laughs> <laughs> that's a possibility um you know this is why i wanted to play it on the show i don't have a good answer uh if anyone in the chat room has a great answer uh for mac let us know and if uh if you you hear this in the uh, the RSS feed in the podcast, just leave us a message on the voicemail and we'll play it next week. Yep, absolutely. I'm but, thinking Martha Stewartish, man. Hot gun glue, hot glue gun. Yeah, I think it, it goes more into the creative, crafty type thing to come up with a good uh, imitation bark solution. You know, right? Yeah, definitely. That's what everyone in the chat room saying. Martha Stewart. No, no, no. They're what? just saying good airbrush. Shovel. Oh, airbrush. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're going to need to get pretty creative with the whole thing. Your mic's up, too, so oh, just so you know. Yeah. Okay, um, let's listen to Derek's voicemail, and let's uh, let's see if I, I, I can do it without dropping the mic this time. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for your show. Uh, I just wanted to ask, I've got a really small space, and I'm just getting into this whole woodworking uh, process. And I was wondering if these uh, track circular saws, uh, like the Festool and DeWalt you've been talking about, uh, would make a good substitute for, um, say, a double compound sliding miter saw. Uh, If you have limited space, would it be something that would be a legitimate substitute? And I appreciate your feedback on that. The only other one thing I wanted to say was, um, Mark, uh, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that I think you would appreciate that was um, so many cats, so few recipes. Uh, I thought you might want that. <laughs> that sounds awesome to me. If I found that, it would be on my truck. <laughs> mm, a bowl full of Giardia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Uh, thanks, Derek, and uh, I appreciate the uh, <laughs> I appreciate the bumper sticker. That's fantastic. Uh, what the hell is his question? Oh, okay. So using the, uh, like a, the, 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 any of the track saws, either Festool or DeWalt is a substitute for like a, 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 apparently a sliding miter saw or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in some cases, yes, but the ultimate answer is no. There are going to be things that, uh, will exceed the capacity of one of those systems, um, but I would say maybe 90% of what you do with that tool, you would be able to do with those track saws. But at the same time, you get a crap load of other things that you can do with the track saws that you can't do with that sliding compound miter saw. So it's really a trade-off. There's there's a good amount of crossover, but there's still a, a good amount of things that each of those others do really well that you're not going to be able to do with the other. For instance, cutting crown molding. You can right. probably pull it off on you know with a track saw system if you have a jig set up or whatever, but... I don't know that I would want to go there. So if you think you're going to be cutting a lot of molding and stuff, you're probably just going to want a, uh, a sliding compound miter saw instead. Um, right. So yeah, some things, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to in my shop. I would not want to lose one uh, for the sake of the other. 
Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, actually, that was one of the projects I forgot to mention over over the Christmas break that I ended up installing some crown molding in my bedroom, and I'm thinking about it right now. If I if I was using the uh, the Dewalt track saw, mm, man, there would have been a, a lot more swearing and cussing coming out <laughs> of that project than there there was. So yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree on that one. It's a it, it, great tool, but I think there's just some limitations to it, um, yeah. and that's definitely one of them. Well, and not having the back support, you know, a uh, back fence support. Now, if you have like the Festool multifunction table, you start to get into that territory, but it's not the same as being able to, to put a four by four post down and, you know, hack a chunk off. It's just not going to be that easy with a track system. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you limited spacage in there. So, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah when, when you work with something like four inches wide. So, exactly. yeah, definitely. Now, uh, the next one is a, uh, a voicemail from Gene, and um, you know I saw this article, I saw a lot of stuff being uh, discussed about this fine woodworking article, uh, but it wasn't until I heard this voicemail that I realized we should probably talk about it. So uh, let's hear what uh, Gene had to say. Hi guys, my name is Gene Plumley. I'm a woodworker in Sturgeon Falls, Ontario, Canada, and I thought I'd give you guys a call. Uh, want to say thank you very much. You do an excellent show, and I was the guy, the lucky guy, who won the plane screwdriver in your Christmas giveaway show. I got it uh, the other week, and I opened it up, and it's just a beautiful tool, and it works absolutely great. Uh, probably give me a reason to replace some of the screws I've mangled over the years. <laughs> and, uh, yep, so one thing that would be a good topic for tonight's show was uh, in the latest Fine Woodworking magazine, there was the article Joinery Shootout. And I thought some of the results were very interesting. Just wanted to see if anybody else found them interesting, and, uh, especially with that half flap joint being the best joint. And uh, it actually beat a three-eighths mortise and tenon. But uh, even more surprising that the uh, splined miter joint held up stronger. And uh, hopefully, you guys have the article accessible, and you can check it out and maybe discuss it a bit. Uh, but anyways, I just thought it'd be a good topic, so. Thank you guys very much. You do an excellent show, and uh, I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Gene. Fortunately, um, I did have an opportunity to uh, check out that article and uh, to catch my subtle, my subtle Canadian accent there. Hey, that was great. Hey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, Jersey, Jersey Canadian-ish. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this, I, I have the magazine here, so anyone who hasn't seen it, it's the latest fine woodworking, and the joinery shootout. Hey, you know, before we talk about that, what the heck is with the Craftsman Sander ads about, like, this greasy, dirty dude using a sander? Is that really supposed to make me want to buy their Craftsman Sander? Have you seen that ad? Uh, I, I think I know which one you're talking about, and I, I kind of had a similar reaction. I was like, oh, yeah, that so could be me. The yeah. guy looks like he, he took a bath in motor oil and rolled around in some potting soil and decided to sand a piece of furniture, which is – Yeah, I mean how many times have you been in that condition when you were going to actually you know sand something? I mean the last thing I'm trying to do is get even sawdust on it versus <laughs> like oil. <laughs> yeah, and this guy, he looks like he wants to hurt me, and I'm not sure that that's the kind of guy I want to buy a sander from. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back to the, the topic at hand. Um, let me try to find the article. Now, this article is your typical um, shootout type style thing where they do a bunch of different tests. They, they look at the, uh, the load capacity of the different joints. And, you know, I, I'm going to go off on a little soapbox, uh, soapbox tangent on this. So if you want to jump in, I'm, I'll give you a chance first before I start uh, babbling 
about this. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so you don't you don't have anything to add here? <laughs> Just, uh, have, uh, you, <laughs> have you read it? I mean, do you have this uh, issue? I, I'm actually bringing it up right now. I haven't had a chance to sit down and, and really read it, but uh, okay. I'm kind of just looking at a few of them right now. Okay, yeah, I, was, I sprung I, this on Matt, by the way, so this is why he, he wasn't even aware that this was going to be in there. Um, I, I've got the issue at home. It's just like one of those I've got to like actually sit down and read it. Um, reading right. hasn't been my, something I've been doing a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. Um, essentially, and for everybody else, I'll tell you the results. Uh, you know, basically what uh, – who was that that left that message? Gene? Uh, Dean, yes. Okay, so what he said was was really the point. There were some really surprising results as far as the capacity of what these joints uh, can handle. And if you've seen some of the the conversations on the forums and stuff, you'll see a lot of people are are kind of annoyed with these results because something like the standard mortise and tendon joint was considered uh, weaker than a splined miter joint. And a splined miter joint is kind of like for anyone who doesn't know, if you saw the. Uh, the clock, contemporary clock that I built around the holidays, and I put that little thin piece of wood in the miter joint to reinforce it. That's like a spline miter for the most part. Theirs was a little bit different, though. Theirs went, um, anyway, you'll look at the pictures and see, but it's a reinforced miter. And uh, the spline miter joint, the bridle joint, and the half lap joint were all, uh, I would say, significantly stronger than the mortise and tenon, the pinned tenon, and the wedge mortise and tenon. And, uh, and get this, the uh, 516th inch mortise and tenon was not as strong as a standard miter joint. What? Now, wait a minute. By that, I'm I looking mean, at that right now, these results, that, that, that's got to be off. That can't be right. I have one word for this article. Poop. Yeah, that's, and my, yeah, mine's a four-letter one, too. <laughs> Starts with an S. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. You know, joinery shootouts are just BS anyway. I mean, the bottom line is, we know what these joints are good for. That's why I'm not going to assemble a chair with a bunch of just naked miter joints. Um, you know, I'm not going mm-hmm. to generally not No. Um, you know, but if you're going to do a miter, what is that going to be for? Probably a decorative door. You're not really going to be too concerned about, uh, stress and, and things like that. So there's, you got to take these things with a grain of salt and, and take it with a common sense approach on where you would use these anyway. Now, where I have a little bit of a, a fundamental problem with an article like this, it's one thing to do it because people want to know. People are just curious. This is, you know, good for, you know, having a beer with a buddy and arguing over whether these are accurate and which one, you know, who wins, the miter or the, <laughs> the uh, uh, you know, dowel max. But uh, other than that, it really annoys me at the sort of lack of respect for the scientific process here. Um, these results are completely insignificant. There's one wood that was tested, and I think they did five examples of each. Now, realistically, how much can they really do? I can't really gripe about that because it's this. These are woodworkers. They're not scientists. I don't expect them to get a statistically significant result out of this. But what I do right. expect is them to be at least similar to what they've done in the past. And this is, has bothered me for you know a long time about tool reviews, too, uh, where some of the information that they publish is is directly contrasting to things that they said two or three years ago. Now, with the results here, uh, if you remember, I said that the mortise and tenon was not as strong as a lot of these other things. The floating mortise and tenon was significantly stronger than the regular mortise and tenon. Spline miters, the bridle joint, the half lap joint, all of these things are more uh, have a significant uh, more strength than a standard um, mortise and tenon joint. Now, in 2001, Fine Woodworking put an article out called Testing Joints to the Breaking Point. 
And oddly enough, they were surprised by the results then too, um, which is part of what they say in this. Well, we're surprised by the results. So they're surprised a lot. Um, I was going to say, uh, that's maybe that's what I'm going to start doing. I haven't been surprised a lot lately. I'm going to start doing my own joinery test, and I'd like being surprised. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was surprised to read this paragraph that says, uh, and this is by Bruce Gray, 2001, and let me give you the uh, issue. This is the March-April 2001 issue. says, the traditional mortise and tenon joints. It says, traditional uh, rectangular mortise and tenon joints served as a base of comparison for other similar joints. I figured that this joint which is more time-consuming to make, wouldn't provide a significantly stronger result when compared to floating tenons of the same size. I was wrong. In the test, the traditional mortise and tenon beat all other joints hands down. The joint proved to be significantly stronger than either variation of floating tenons and twice as strong as the double number 20 biscuit. Uh, So it goes on to talk about the other joints, but what bothers the hell out of me is that this article completely conflicts with previous results. So what's the deal? Should we disregard those results that we had before? It was only 2001. And, you know, the only thing I will say that's significantly different here is they use maple in the old test, and this test used cherry. Um, Right. But what are we supposed to get from this? You know, know, as we were kind of going through this, I was just reading a couple of the things that they were talking about here, like, and when they go into the in the miter thing, I think this is kind of funny. I don't know. Maybe this this struck me. Maybe I'm reading this the wrong way. But it says, though the miter was surprisingly strong, structural limitations make it hard to recommend the unreinforced miter for furniture making tasks. <laughs> However, <laughs> so it's just there's a lot of caveats. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we if if they if anything, it seems like you'd want the joinery to be one specific for like furniture making. I mean, obviously. Yeah. You know, a miter, as like you said, use it for like a decoration around a door or a picture frame or something, something that's not going to see some some strain and everything. I'm sure, you know, to some degree. In fact, actually, I'm looking at the, the failure on it and no way in the world do I want that failure. <laughs> that, the, 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 the picture they're showing that that's some that's some deadly failure. In fact, that looks to me worse than what the mortise and tenon looks like. At least yeah. the mortise and tenon looks like that's going to break. You've got the tenon to catch. You know, so you're not going to fall over the place. But if you're relying purely on that on the uh, the miter, man, that's that's going to be a deadly fall. Yeah. Well, and there's another way to look at this too. What about analyzing these joints with no glue? Because clearly, when you look at these results, they're very dependent on the amount of glue surface contact. Well, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of time, sometimes the glue wears, the glue, uh, you know, things happen, and um, years and years of use and abuse kind of loosen those joints a little bit, and maybe a pinned mortise and tenon. 200 years from now is still going to hold together uh, regardless of what glue was used. So I might like to see unglued joints and how those hold up under these conditions. Um, But anyway, you know, most of all, I would just like to see some consistency or acknowledgement for your last article that addressed this issue and say, you know what, this completely contrasted, maybe we should maybe hold off on and do these tests again, or at least just give us a reason why it's completely different. Um, but I think the moral here is don't pay attention to articles like these. The bottom line is telling us things we already knew um, right. for the most part. Uh, well, somewhat. I think obviously this one is that's why people have been, you know, bellyaching about it is because it is so inconsistent with what we thought we knew. Um, but the bottom line is most of these joints are so much more uh, stronger than what we need for the normal applications they're going to be subject to. That going through all this testing and stuff is kind of really just a waste of time because it's not going to tell you anything that's going to help you in your woodworking. At least my opinion, but, you know, whatever. I'm off my soapbox. Let's move on. Okay, Lisa, let's move on. Yeah, because this definitely, we could be here for a couple uh, days. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, you know what? 
this is always exciting. We have okay. uh, a Tom's tip. And you know what? I was so motivated today. I was so excited by Tom's tip that I decided to uh, to record a little jingle at the beginning. And I think everybody's going to really like this. All right. Tom's tips. That's right. I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench. And it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. There's nothing quite like the taste of a home-cooked meal. Unfortunately, in today's busy world, very few of us have the opportunity to cook from scratch for every meal. That means that there are lots of opportunities to collect one of my favorite free shop accessories, glass jars. Beyond just the obvious use as hardware holder, glass jars are awesome for heating up hot glue in a water-filled hot pot. And since glass is non-reactive, it's, per, it's a perfect container for mixing up finishes. Plus, if you use the glass jars in the shop, no one will know you aren't cooking from scratch. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the Wood Whisperer Network at twwnetwork.com. Yeah, that was awesome, wasn't it? That was fantastic. That needs to be a ringtone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, the chat room just dumped down <laughs> to like five people. <laughs> um, and anytime anyone wants me to play that again, I'd be more than happy to, just to let you know. You want to hear it again? Nicole wants to hear it again. I'll just play the beginning. Ready? Did you hear it, Matt? Yeah, I, I did hear it a little bit. <laughs> okay, ready? If anyone wants to know the lyrics, it's it's very tricky. It says, Tom's tips. I'm talking about Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. It's Tom's tips. So... If you want to sing along, you could do that. All right, That's here. a little complicated for me. It's a little tricky. Tom's tips. That's right. I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. Nice, right? <laughs> that's great. I love the bass line in that. that, that that's a good plucking. <laughs> it's jazzy, man. It's jazzy. I think, well, you know, Tom's tips are great, but I think we needed to spice it up a little bit just to, you know, get make it a little more exciting. I agree. Tom's been around with us for quite a while, and he needed his own, you know, intro music there. I mean, we've got ours at the beginning. Why shouldn't Tom have his? He should have his own. You know, I, I agree absolutely. So, you know what, dude? I think I think that wraps up our show, and we can jump into some live questions, and um, you know, take it out that way. Okay, that cool. makes sense. Well, you know what? What? Why don't we uh, remind everybody as we're heading into this, just in case you decide you don't want to listen anymore. You know what? You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com in case you heard something today. Or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message at 623-242-2450. It's two for Tuesday. It's two for two, two, four, five, zero. That's all you got to call in on. <laughs> all, right. all right. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> but anyways, though, especially if you have an answer for um, uh, Mac there about the Wayne Edge coming up with a f- artificial one, definitely call in with that one. Cool. Yeah. And I think we've already got some links and stuff here that uh, someone, uh, Nicole, is sending me that someone may have fetched. So uh, we'll put those in the show notes. And um, yeah, well, I guess that's it. So until next time, uh, be safe, woodwork very carefully, and try not to sing ever like me. Right, and may the Schwartz be with you. Yes, absolutely. Get your t-shirts now. <laughs> What's up, boyfriend? This is Eric Wells. I'm a contractor out in Springfield, Missouri. And back in July or August, long time ago, one of your listeners had talked about um, planking, a, uh, putting a deck planking on. Said it was wet, 
and um, was concerned about shrinkage and how much to set the gap at. Well, um, when you actually are putting a deck, the deck planks down when they're wet, you need to butt them up to each other, um, and then over time they will actually shrink, so you have an eighth-inch gap. Um, done it before plenty of times, and it works every single time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hey, Mark and Matt. This is David Olschmidt. I just got a quick little tip. Uh, it's probably common knowledge, but it's kind of ruining my day. Um, if you got some of them Irwin quick clamp, bar clamp, dealy whoppers, make sure you do not, even if you really want to prevent rust on the bars, do not put paraffin wax on the bars, you kind of lose the efficiency of your clamp. Um, got four of them in my shop now that are pretty worthless because I wax the bars. So, quick tip. Thanks, guys. Bye. Tom's tips. That's right, I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. 